in case you missed it, Junior Church and Title Time can be dismissed. And why don't we pray? Let's pray. Lord, I thank you so much for this morning. I thank you for bringing us together as the body of Christ. Lord, I thank you uh, just for the cross as we think about that and just think about how you are living within us. And I just praise and thank you that you have not only chosen to save us, but also to live within us and to help us to live a life that is worthy of you. And Lord, I pray today that as we look at your word, that you would guide our minds, Lord, that you would uh, take your word and help it to be more than just words on a page. Lord, we know that your word is living and active, and I pray that today that your word would make a difference uh, in our lives as we walk out of this building, that we would be different from when we came in. And Lord, I thank you again for just ahead of time, the fact that you're able to bring your word to us and that we can experience hearing from you in a real way. And I pray today that that would be the case. And I pray for all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. All right. Well, it's my privilege again to be here today and uh, uh, just excited about the chance to be able to share God's Word again with you today. And uh, today we're going to be looking at this idea of the grace that keeps on giving. And if you were here probably, I think it was about two months ago now in May, middle of May, was the last time I preached. And actually what we're going to be looking at here today, in a sense, is a sequel to that sermon. Now, I hate using that word because this isn't a movie, this isn't entertainment. I'm not trying to say that somehow this is a sequel. I'm also not trying to say that it'll be worse than the first because a lot of times with sequels, that's the way it is. I hope that's not the case. This is God's word speaking to us. So today... Uh, You're going to have to kind of remember back. I know it's been two months, but I will do a little bit of review. I'm used to doing that. We do that every week in Sunday school if you've been in our ABF. uh, But we'll do a little bit of review what we talked about a couple months ago, and then we're going to look at this idea of the grace that keeps on giving and how the concept of amazing grace that we looked at last time uh, really continues on into our life. So our main idea today is going to be this, that God's grace doesn't end at our salvation It is a gift that keeps on giving. That is going to be what we're going to look at. Hopefully by today when you walk out of the doors, if you remember anything, you remember this main idea that God's grace doesn't end at our salvation, but it continues, it keeps on giving. And that's exactly what I'm hoping we can see through God's word today as we look at it. So first of all, let's uh, start with a review of the last sermon. I think we do have some slides up here that will guide us along as we go. Um, I was going to click myself, but I knew that Something would go wrong because me and the technology are not good, just like my mic keeps trying to fall. There we go. All right, so a review of my last sermon. So the last time that I came to you was the middle of May. Uh, really exciting to be able to bring God's Word to you then. And what we talked about was Baptism Sunday. We talked about grace. We talked about amazing grace and how the people that were being baptized that day, that their whole purpose was to show God's amazing grace in their life and how God had changed their life for the better, how everything had changed from the time that they didn't know him to the time that he showed his grace to them and then they knew him. And we looked at that in a couple of our own people. We also looked at the scriptures through Acts and we looked at how many people got baptized and how they would do it immediately and so excitedly because they remembered the grace that God had shown to them. So then last week, the first thing we looked at is that God's grace, which we looked at is unmerited favor, something we don't deserve, a gift we don't deserve, And this unmerited favor, this grace, has bought us salvation, has brought us salvation. So uh, if we looked at Titus 2.11, and that will be up on a slide as well, Titus 2.11 says this, 
for the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. If you remember, that was one of the verses we started with. The grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. The idea that it is only through God's grace that salvation can come. It is only through God's grace that salvation is here among us. And we took some time to look at what salvation was. The sense that it's trusting in Jesus Christ and all that he's done, all that he says he's going to do, and it's trusting in him and giving your life to him and repenting of living for yourself and instead living for Jesus Christ. And if today you still haven't done that, don't wait any longer. Ask me, ask someone here who knows Christ how you can know him for yourself. Then we also, so then we continued on as we looked at Ephesians chapter 2 and we looked at Titus chapter 3. And we looked at this. The second point was God has shown mercy and grace in transforming us from sin and death to life and hope. Now, we won't go back to these passages because they're kind of lengthy, but we looked at the idea. Both of these passages outlined it this way. We were once like this. We were once sinners. We were once caught up by sin. We were once caught up by death, and we had no hope. But then God's grace appears. God's mercy comes, and now God has saved us from all of that to a new life. That is the general format of what we see happen in Ephesians 2, 2 through 9, and Titus 3, 3 through 7. God has shown us mercy and grace in transforming us from one way of life to another. And that is grace. It is only through grace. But then we finished, uh, as we looked at that idea of amazing grace, we finished by talking about uh, Ephesians 2, 10 and Titus 3, 8. These are two verses that came at the end of each of those passages that we looked at. And what we saw is that God's grace and mercy continue as we are careful to maintain good works, from Titus 3.8, that we were created in Christ Jesus, from Ephesians 2.10, to do. So we looked at the idea that God's grace did save us. It took us from one way of life to another way of life. But that way of life is that God has created us to pursue good works, to do right, to do good, to follow his word, to listen to what he says and obey him. These are things that are good works. So we looked at the fact that God's grace, yes, it saved us. Yes, it has transformed us from one way of life to another, but then it continues on in the way we live. It doesn't just leave us there and say, oh, God's grace has saved you. Now you're on your own. Okay, that's not the case at all. And that's today where I want to continue the thought. So we looked at that last time, but today I want to continue that and deepen it and expand it even more. Now I'm going to warn you ahead of time. There's a lot of information here. As I started this sermon this week, I thought, I have this direction. This is how I want to do this. This is great. As I'm studying, God keeps bringing verse after verse after verse after verse after idea after idea after idea as I'm studying. And I'm like, there's no way I'm going to fit this into one sermon. Don't worry, I didn't put it all in. I abbreviated a lot of what we're going to look at. But I say that so you understand that this concept, this idea that we're talking about today is not just something that's casually mentioned in Scripture it is actually mentioned over and over and over again, and it is something we cannot afford to miss. That God's grace didn't end when we got saved, but it continues to help us live a life in which we glorify Him. So the amazing grace of God should cause us to do good works, which really is another way of saying this. It's saying that God's grace that brings salvation also should lead to holy living, which is really what we're going to talk about today. So we're going to talk about grace leading to holy living. It's about holiness. That's what we're going to be referring to today. So I don't know, before we get on to the first point of the sermon here, uh, I don't know how many of you have ever had a gift. 
that, you know, it's one of those gifts that keeps on giving. Now, usually this is in a negative context. Sometimes it's a good thing. You know, you get a gift that you continue, it kind of continues and gets better and better as it goes. And sometimes maybe that you might have got something like that. But a lot of times, because I've been in circles where I've done a whole lot of white elephant gift exchanges. Anybody done one of those before? A couple of you. I'm sure more have. All right, and in these white elephant gift exchanges, people just give whatever junk they can find in their house and then they wrap it up all nice. Or they find something really nice and they wrap it up really junky. It, it depends on how you want to do it. But I remember so many times in youth group, we had this helmet. I don't know what the helmet was for. It was this white helmet that went on your head, didn't have a face mask or anything, kind of looked like a football helmet, but not really. It was scarred up. It was stained up. It was a disgust. And it smelled really bad, like, you know, head sweat and all those things. And uh, every year we'd come to the White Elephant Gift Exchange, and lo and behold, there would be the helmet that was stinky. All right, and... Uh, we were like, okay, this is getting old. We're tired of this gift that just keeps on giving. It's just getting re-gifted and re-gifted and re-gifted. Uh, another thing happened in not my family, but uh, my wife's family, my sister-in-law, for the longest time, for whatever reason, the family decided they wanted to pick on her. And they, one year they bought her this old, broken-down vacuum that didn't work any longer. And we're talking, she's a child, okay? So not only is she getting this old, broken-down vacuum, but it's given to this child. And and she would throw a fit and she wouldn't want it. And one family member would take it back and give it to a different family member who the next year would give her the same vacuum. And I guess, I, this was before I came along, I guess this happened year after year after year. Still to this day, if you mention anything about a vacuum, my sister-in-law does not want to talk to you. So, um, but these are in negative context that we see a gift that keeps on giving. But actually, the, the gifts that God gives aren't these annoying or bad gifts. Actually, it's the exact opposite. God gives us the greatest gift ever through his grace. He gave us the gift of Jesus Christ, and he continues the gift of Jesus Christ in the sense that not only are we saved, but we can be sanctified or made holy, which is what we're going to look at today. So the first point today, or really the main point we're looking at is this. The grace of God that calls us to salvation also calls us to holiness. The grace of God that calls us to salvation also calls us to holiness. We're going to look at 1 Peter chapter 1 this morning. This, will probably, this is really the theme verse of what we're looking at. We're going to look at several verses as we go through today, but this is going to be our theme verse as it talks about holiness. It talks about the grace of God leading to our holy living. It's in 1 Peter chapter 1, and we're looking at verses 13 through 16. 1 Peter 1, 13 through 16. And in this verse, this is what we read. Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not conforming yourselves to former lusts as in your ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct, because it is written, Be holy, for I am holy. All right, so this verse in 1 Peter is telling us a couple main points that we have to look at. It says, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, rest your hope fully upon what? The what? Grace. Okay, the grace that is to be brought to you the revelation of Jesus Christ. So as we keep our mind on grace, then it tells us some things. It says, as obedient children, don't conform yourselves to the former lusts. In other words, we looked at, we looked at Ephesians, we looked at Titus, it says, this is how you were, this is how you now are. It says, don't go back to that. Now that you're saved, now that you've seen God's grace, don't go back to that. But instead it says... That uh, you need to, he who called you is holy, be also holy in all your conduct, because it is written, be holy as I am holy. 
So God says this point blank, be holy as I am holy. Now, we're not going to be perfect like God. We've got to understand that, but we can pursue holiness. But before we even know how to pursue holiness, we need to know what holiness is. So let's look at this first point here. What is holiness? What is holiness? Literally, holiness means this, to be set apart. If we look at something, it's to be set apart, something that's completely different than anything else. And it really points in this sense of being set apart from the world and all of us around us and being set apart to God. So it's really being different. It's being unique. It's being set apart. Now, God is the ultimate example of holiness. There is no one at all, ever, at any time, that is close to anything that God is. <laughs> so God is the ultimate holy one. He is set apart completely in holiness and purity and all of those things. And he is completely set apart in the sense that he is not... Uh, He's so separate from everyone and everything. And we are called to follow that holiness in the sense that we are to be separate from the world, to be set apart as something special, as something unique, that the world will see and say that is someone different. And that is what we're called to do. So as we look at holiness, we need to understand what it means. We're talking about being set apart from the world, making choices and doing things that the world looks at as crazy because we are doing the things that we know God would honor because we are setting our part setting ourselves apart from the world and towards God. And that's what we're doing here as we talk about holiness. So now we have an idea of what holiness is. We need to understand this concept. So there's one other point that I want to make here, point two, is that in one sense, we are set apart to God at salvation. I don't want you to miss this or to lose this. When God saves us, when his grace has saved us, when we come and we repent and we call upon his name and he comes down and he forgives us of all our sin and he redeems us, when that happens, we are automatically set apart in one sense. We are set apart in the sense that God says, this one's mine, he's no longer yours, speaking to Satan in the world, he is mine. And so we are set apart in a uh, very real sense that God does justify us and sets us apart from the world. But as we look, especially go back to First Peter, and we just looked at, we're also called to holy living. So here, point two, in one sense, we are set apart to God at salvation, but it is clear that we are called to be set apart through holy living as well. If you go over and look at Ephesians chapter one, and all the verses will be up here behind me on the, on the PowerPoint to help. I, I know there's a lot of verses, and I know it's sometimes hard to keep up while we flip through. So Ephesians one, verses three through four, says this. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. So not only First Peter, does, that talks about how we need to live in holiness, but now also we see that Ephesians says, look, the whole reason that God has saved us, that he's placed us in heavenly places, that he's chose us before all time, before the foundations of the world, the reason he did all of that is to set us apart as holy and blameless. Holy and blameless are really two sides of the same coin. It's about being set apart. It's about the world being set apart from the world and having the world not be able to say, well, you know what? I, we have this against you. you. We can blame you. We can say that you're a hypocrite. We can say that you're in sin. And the idea is, is that holiness and blamelessness are really sides of the same coin. That we would be set apart so that we would be so different that there'd be nothing that anybody could blame us for. Okay, That is an important concept. That we are also blameless. Now, we are justified once again. God has already said, you know what, in my eyes, you are righteous before me. But he wants us to live a blameless and holy life. We're told this time and time again. Now, this is the point where I could have given you about 
eight to ten different references because we see this over and over and over again throughout Scripture that we are called not only to be holy because He set us apart but also to live in a holy way. And it's important that we understand this, that we live a life that is set apart from the world and to Him. So now that we understand what holiness is, let's move on to see how do we live in holiness. So we know that being set apart is what we need to do. Okay, so how do we get there? How do we do this? How is it that we can live in holiness? Well, the first thing that's pretty obvious, as we already looked at in 1 Peter, is this. Obedience to God is what sets us apart. Obedience to God and His Word and what He tells us to do is what sets us apart from the world and to Him. So let's turn over to first, back to 1 Peter chapter 1, and this is 13 and 14. This isn't the whole passage, this is just a section. But remember, going back to that, it says this, Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. But then it says this, As obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lusts. So, obedience obedience is the way that we see holiness how do we live a holy life we obey now it sounds it's a lot simpler to say than to do but when we go to god's word when we look at god's word and we say this is what god's word tells us to do i need to follow it i need to do what god has asked me to do because when i obey him i'm setting myself apart from the world and i'm setting myself unto god by obeying him by doing what he says instead of what the world says but in what he says instead of what my desires and my flesh say that is how I can see holiness in my life, how I can be set apart from the world. And also the other concept that we need to look at, not only does obedience to God set us apart, but really in essence what we're saying is this, that we must imitate Christ. We must imitate Christ, 1 John 2.6. 1 John 2.6 tells us this. There's other verses all over the Bible that tell us this, but this one is one that is super clear. 1 John 2.6, He who says he abides in him ought himself also to walk just as he walked. So what we see here is that obedience to Christ and obedience to God, ultimately, it's imitating the person of Jesus Christ. So here's how we got to figure this out. God has saved us. He sent Jesus Christ. That's our grace gift to us so that we could ex experience salvation. But you see, Jesus is still sent also to be our example that we'll follow so that we can be holy, we can be set apart, because he was the one that walked this world, the only one ever who walked in this world who could truly say that he was holy and set apart from the world completely. So as we set our sights on how to obey, we set our sights on who Jesus was, who Jesus is. And as we look to Jesus, then we can know what it means to be holy. Romans also tells us that it's God's will that we are conformed to the image of his Son, as we look at these different concepts, and there's more and more verses that talk about this as well. It's about obedience to God as we imitate Christ. And those things are what's going to set us apart from the world and set us apart unto God. But before we go too far with this idea of obedience and imitating Christ, there's a, there's a pitfall we can all fall into. And that pitfall is this. is that after we're saved, we try to live a Christian life that is holy, that is set apart in our own strength. We try to do it without the help of God, without the grace of God working in our lives, and we try to do it in ourselves. And this sets up a lot of things like legalism, and it sets up things where I've got to do this or do that if I want to please God, and if I don't do these things, then I'm somehow letting Him down, those type of ideas. And it's not about our strength, it's not about our power, it's not about how we can do to obey God. Though, yes, there's effort on our part, which we'll look at in just a minute. It's not about any of that. So that's why we need to go to the next point, which is who makes us live in holiness? And I would say this, 
living in holiness, living in obedience, and imitating Christ is not done out of our own strength. You see, it is God in number one here. It is God who makes us holy. He is the one who sanctifies us. Now, real quick, I just want to say sanctification. It's a big word, and many of you probably understand what it is, but sanctification literally means to make holy. So when we talk about sanctification, Jesus saves us, but he also sanctifies us. He saves us from wrath. He saves us to himself, but then he also saves us so that he can sanctify us, make us holy, make us set apart. And his desire is to see us be sanctified. So in 1 Thessalonians 5, 23 through 24, 1 Thessalonians 5, 23 through 24, we see this concept. And here it says this, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful, who also will do it. It's important right here we see this. It says, who sanctifies us? This is point blank. May the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. It is God who sanctifies. It is God who makes us holy. In other words, we can't obey him and we certainly can't imitate him if we are not relying on his strength and his power to do so. If we're trying to do it in our own strength, all we're going to do is fail. But yet, God says, rely on me. I give you the grace to be able to live in obedience. I give you the grace to be able to live in imitation of my son, accept my son and believe in him and continue to accept that it is his power, it is my power that will allow you to obey, that allows you to uh, follow through, that allows you to imitate Christ. Now, not that we're going to be perfect. We all know that. There's not perfection here. It's about doing whatever we can to set ourselves apart. And that is exactly what God asked of us. And then here at the end of this verse, it says this, He who calls you is faithful, who also will do it. Pastor John's been talking a whole lot about Revelation lately, and I remember there are a couple sermons, he's like, we see over and over again, it says, I will, I will, I will. And this is God talking. He says, I will, God will do this. Well, here we have a New Testament example of this. A New Testament example of seeing this, that he who calls you is faithful, this is God, who also will do it. It says he will sanctify us. If we are truly saved, if we've truly accepted the grace that God has given us and we, can, we continue to live in that grace, God will sanctify us. But it's God who does the work, not us. It doesn't say here, and you who call yourself faithful, you will do it. No, it says he who calls himself faithful, he will also do it. So God is the one that sets us apart for holiness. Another thing we see in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, and this is even a, just taking that idea just a little bit further in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 for this second part, is to reject holiness is to reject the Holy Spirit himself. This is what 1 Thessalonians 4, 7, and 8 tells us. It says, For God did not call us to uncleanness, uncleanness, but in holiness. Therefore, he who rejects this does not reject man, but rejects God, who has also given us his Holy Spirit. Okay, this is a tough verse because what it's basically saying is anybody who lives in this life and says this and says, you know what, I'm saved, I can live however I want, uh, I can live in uncleanness because God has forgiven me. That is not what God has asked. God actually has called us not, only, not to uncleanness but to holiness. God has called us to holiness, to be set apart. It is a calling of God upon our lives. And if we reject that, if we ignore that, if we don't pursue holiness, if we think that we can live however we want and God will still forgive, if that's our attitude, if that's our thought process, then what's going to happen? It says we are not rejecting just the idea of holiness or rejecting man. We're not rejecting man's idea, but we're rejecting the Holy Spirit himself. 
You see, when we're saved, the Holy Spirit comes to dwell within us, and it's the Holy Spirit that gives us the power to work and do all things. And it's that power that we have to live in obedience, to imitate Christ, to be holy. It's that power that comes from the Holy Spirit. And it's the Holy Spirit that says, I'm going to do this for you. It's God who says, I'm going to do this for you. And if we say, you know what, I know maybe you said I should be holy, but I don't want that. I don't think that's true. Then we are rejecting not man. We're not rejecting what I'm saying today as man's words. We're rejecting God's word. We're rejecting the Holy Spirit himself. So God, as the Holy Spirit, is the one that empowers us to live a holy life. And if we reject that, we are rejecting God. If we reject living holy, we reject God himself. And that is an important concept to understand. Now I want to go on a quick rabbit trail. And this is actually, it's not really a rabbit trail because it's going to be up here. Okay, so, you know, it's a planned rabbit trail. So I don't know what you'd call that. I thought about what I should call it, but we'll just call it a rabbit trail. This is important to understand as I talk about this. You can go one of two directions. One direction says, you know what? It's all dependent upon me. I'm going to work hard and I'm going to do whatever I can to be holy. We already looked at the fact that that's not going to work. We need to rely on God's strength. The other extreme is, well, if God's going to make me holy, then I don't have to worry about anything. I'm just going to go and live my life and not worry about anything because it's not dependent upon me. Okay, those are two two cliffs. You want to walk in the middle here. Uh, As we look at what we... Uh, think about this. I'll go, although God gives us the power through his Holy Spirit to live in holiness, we must still put forth effort towards living the holy life. Say, well, you can say that, but how, how are you going to back that up? Well, let's look at First Peter, or actually Second Peter this time. We're going to go to Second Peter. <clears throat> talks about this idea that even though we've been given the power, we must still put in effort. Second Peter 1 and 2 through 7 is the whole verse I, I took out verse 4 just so it would fit better up on the screen here. We're going to read 2 Peter 1, uh, 2-3, and then 5-7. through 7. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and, in, and of Jesus our Lord, as his divine power has given unto us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. But also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, to perseverance godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness love. Now you've probably heard this verse preached on many times and how the progression of our faith and how different things can be added to our character. But ultimately, it first of all says that God is giving us the power to live this life, which is really the holy life. All this list here is things that Christians do to set themselves apart from the world and towards God. So this is really a list of how we can be holy, some things that we can add to it. But it says God gives us all the power. You see that here in verses 2 and 3. Uh, it says uh, that he has given us the power that pertain to all, all things for life and godliness. But then what does it say? It says giving all diligence. The word diligence really means to put forth effort. Uh, so the Bible itself says God is giving you the power to live in a certain way. Now go and do it. See, this is, it's, hard to, you know, cause we, it's hard to really get here, how this all works together, but what we know is what Scripture says. God gives us the power, but he still wants us to work. He gives us the power to do everything. He gives us the grace, but he wants us to take that power and grace that he gives us and put it into action. You see, it's God's, it's God's work using us. And if we miss that, we're going to miss a complete blessing that God has for us. When he calls us to do something, he gives us the power to do something, and we sit back and say, you know what, I'm not going to worry about it because I'm not going to, I don't want to put effort towards it. We're missing out. So really, the, the pitfalls are really this. It's, <laughs> it's working too hard or it's being too lazy. 
And we can't do either. We've got to work in the knowledge of knowing that even the work that we do is only because God has given us the power to do it. We need to understand that it's nothing in and of ourselves, but it's of him. So that's a little rabbit trail, just to make sure that we stay on the right path. That we don't say that it's all about us, and we don't also say, well, since it's all about God, I'm going to not do anything. We need to pursue God. We need to pursue holiness. We need to put effort into towards holiness, knowing that only we can only do that because of the power and grace of God that he's given us. All right, so let's move on to the next question. We looked at uh, the what is holiness. We looked at how do we live in holiness, who makes us holy, and that is God himself. And then finally, or not finally, but then D, why should we live in holiness? What is the motivation for living in holiness besides the fact that we're just told to do it? The scripture tells us to do it, and honestly, if we're going to live in obedience, then we should follow what the word says. So that's, being, that's there. That should be an obvious one. If the scripture tells us to do something, let's obey it, okay? The scripture says to live holy. Be holy as I am holy. It says to do that, so we should do that, and that's one of the whys. But really, it even goes deeper than that. Why should we live in holiness? Well, first of all, it is God's will and calling for our lives in 1 Thessalonians 4. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, 3a and verse 7. We've already looked at this passage one other time, but I'm just going to break it off in a little piece here that we can look at. It is God's will and calling for our lives. And it says this in 1 Thessalonians 4, For this is the will of God, your sanctification. For God did not call us to uncleanness, but in holiness. This is a call of God on our lives. If we've accepted the grace of God, we've accepted him as our Savior, if we're living in his grace, it is God's call upon our lives. He has called us to do this. This isn't something we should just do because, oh, you know, it's a fun thing to do or it's something that would make my life better. This is not what we're talking about. God has called us to live lives that are set apart. It is a calling. It is not an option. It is not just a, oh, yeah, I guess I'll do it if I want to. No, this is a calling that God has placed on every single one of our lives. This isn't just a calling for pastors. It's not just a calling for missionaries. It's not just a calling for uh, old people or young people or middle-aged people or parents. This is a calling for all Christians everywhere, that God has called us to live a life of holiness. It's the will of God. It is his will. And then it says later, we are called to it. So not only is it his will, he wants it for us. It is his call upon our lives. So that is one reason why we should pursue holiness, because God has called us to it, and he, it is his will. We are living in his will when we live in holiness. How many times have you heard the question, well, how can I know for sure if I'm living in God's will? I, am I making the right decisions? Am I going the right way? Am I going to the, get married to the right person? Am I going to go to the right college? Am I going to uh, retire at the right time? I, I don't know. Am I in God's will? Am I, am I, am I? Well, the Bible tells us, look, if you're living in holiness, you are living in God's will. So don't worry about all the nitty-gritties. I'm not saying don't worry about it. Obviously, you've got to figure those things out. But understand that ultimately God cares about you living in holiness, and as Romans 12 would tell us, to live as living sacrifices. That is the will of God. Also, we need to understand that in this sense, that it is God's will and calling for our lives to be holy. It's still not only for us. Okay? God's call and will for us is to be holy, but it's not for our benefit. It's actually for his. Ephesians chapter 1, we've been there already, we'll go back there. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 4 through 6. And this is, here's what it says. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. We've already looked at that. Then he says, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace. Here's what we need to understand. The praise of the glory of his grace. God is all about making himself look good. He's all about giving glory to himself. 
Ultimately, God loves us, yes, but the only reason he loves us is to show his glory. See, we can get selfish and think that God is all about us, but really God's all about God. You can say, well, that seems selfish, but he's God. Let's think about this. He created all things. Everything is his, and he just wants to be glorified because he is the only holy one. He is perfect, and he is the one that we all should look to, both saved and unsaved alike, should look towards God and his holiness, and God wants to show himself to be glorious. He wants to show himself to be great and mighty and awesome, and he chooses to do that by using us. What a humbling thought. God wants to show his glory. He could do it in so many different ways, but he's chosen us as his children to live in holiness so that his glory will be seen. That's a huge responsibility, and it's kind of scary, but it's so humbling to think, you know what, this world isn't about me. Everything I do, it's about pointing back to God. It's about pointing back to his glory and saying, I'm going to live not for myself. I'm going to live for him, even if that makes me look kooky sometimes. I'm going to live for God and show glory to him, and everyone will see that. That is what God's ultimate will is. So his will is for our holiness, but his will is for our holiness so that he will receive glory. We need to understand that. That will help us live in a different way, I believe, if we realize that we're not living for ourselves, but we're living for God. And that is an important distinction we need to understand. So God's will is his glory, and he wants us to live in sanctification, live in holiness, so that his glory will be seen most brightly. So finally, let's look at this last question. When should we live in holiness? When should we live in holiness? Well, this goes without saying, I believe, but I, I, I want to make sure we understand this. Living in holiness, here is the first part. Living in holiness is not a part-time job. We should pursue it all the time. You know, we can say, well, that's obvious, or maybe even chuckle at it a little bit, but you know, the truth of the matter is, how many of us, I'm throwing myself in here, have lived our lives in this way so many times? Where, you know, we'll make the right choices sometimes, but other times when it's not as convenient, or we're not at church, or it make, it's really hard to make the right choice to, towards holiness, that we fall, and we falter, and you know, we end up getting in this idea that's, you know, it's, we can be holy sometimes, but other times, yeah, we'll make mistakes, but not a big deal. You see, 1 Thessalonians 5.23. 1 Thessalonians 5.23. Two points here, but it says, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, first word here in this verse is now. Now that doesn't always, that's not necessarily referring to time. It's referring to therefore type of idea, but it's also true that... that Paul is speaking in the present tense here. He's not speaking in the future tense and say, you know what, you're going to become, you're, you know, someday you can go for sanctification, but right now don't worry about it. No, he says right now, God may he sanctify you completely in the present tense right now. And then it says, may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's working towards when Christ comes back. You know, we've been talking about Revelation. We're going to get to the, we're talking about Christ and we're talking about his return, but the whole point of knowing about Christ's return is that we'll live in holiness now so that we are ready for when he comes back, that we've been living a life set apart so we are worthy when he comes back to say, I've been living a holy life as best I can. And it says, and Paul is praying for that. He's asking for this for the Thessalonian church. And we need to understand that right now is the time and all the time too. It's not only right now, but it's also every time. It says, may he sanctify you completely, every part of us, not just when we're at church not just when we're with our Christian friends, not just when we're uh, by ourselves. It's all of those. It's also when we're at work. It's also when we're in the park. It's also when we're at the movies. It's also when we're out on vacation. All these times. We can't take a vacation from holiness. In all these times, completely, everything. God wants us to be holy all the time in everything. And that is 
We're going to fail. We are human. We're not going to be perfect. And when we do fail, we need to do what David did and so many others have done when they fail. Come to God, ask for forgiveness, beg for His forgiveness, repent of our sins, and then put it behind us and try to be living for God more and more even so. Even after we fall, even when we fail, we need to look towards God and press forward. And press forward. So we need to be pursuing holiness all the time. There's not a time that you can say, well, you know what, now, right now, I don't really need to worry about this. In this setting, I don't need to worry about holiness. No, God wants us to be set apart completely. And then uh, finally, uh, and we already looked at this a little bit, but the scriptures point out again and again that we are to be pursuing holiness right now. We can go back and read all these verses we've been looking at, and you can do that. I would encourage you to do that. Go back and look at all these verses, and each verse that we looked at is not talking about the future. It's not talking about the past. It's talking about right now. We can't say, well, you know what? I know I should live in holiness, but I'm going to wait a little bit because right now I'm kind of comfortable, so I'm going to wait until, uh, I'm going to wait until I get married and have kids, or I'm going to wait until I'm retired, or I'm going to wait until such and such, or so and so, or I'm here, or I'm there, or my life is here, or I'm financially stable, or... No, let's not wait to live in holiness. We're missing out on God's blessing if we're not tapping into his power and his grace and choosing not to live in holiness. We need to do it now. Right now, where you're at, wherever life stage you're in, it doesn't matter. You need to be holy. You need to be setting yourself apart for God and not and away from the world. And that is what we're called to do. Right now and all the time. Now, we have a few questions to consider uh, in just a minute. But beforehand, I didn't, I didn't get a chance to say anything about you know, Talia and Donna as they were up here. But as I'm listening to people talk about them and as I've got to know them over these last three years or so, They've been a, they have been the example. And I'm not trying to set them up on a pedestal. Like I said, this is all due to the glory of God and the grace of God, and I would say that they would say that. But as I've watched their lives and I've watched the impact of their lives, I have seen that they have given their lives not only to Jesus Christ, they've given their lives to holiness. They have relied on God's grace to show them holiness. And I respect that and I honor that and I look to that and I say, I hope someday I can stand up here or somewhere and I hope I can say, I have been faithful to holiness. I hope other people can look at me and say, he has been set apart for God because God has worked in his life. And I hope that's our hope for all of us. So let's ask some questions because we need to get to the point. So we know all this stuff about holiness. Now we've got a lot of information up here, but let's take it to our lives. So these three questions are going to be up here. They're also on your outline. The first question is simple. Have you really accepted God's grace that brings salvation through Jesus Christ? Have you really accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior? Now, I didn't go through the whole detail of the whole gospel message this morning like I did two months ago. But if you want to know more about how you can know Jesus as your personal Savior, He can come and save you. He's given you grace in the sense that you deserve sin and death, and He's going to give you life and hope instead. If that's what you wish for, if you want to give your life to Him and say, I'm done living in my own way, and I'm ready to live in your way, if you're ready to do that, if you want to do that, like I said earlier, talk to myself, talk to anyone here that you know knows Christ as their Savior, and they'd be more than happy to share with you what it means to have a relationship with Christ and how that looks and what you can do to start that relationship. So please pursue that today if you haven't yet. Second thing, though, have you professed to accept God's grace but are not walking in holiness? This is an important question each of us has to ask each day. Have you professed to accept the grace of God in your life, but then, you know what, your life doesn't reflect it at all. You don't live in holiness at all. You're not pursuing to be set apart. You look just like the world. If somebody looked at you, they'd have no idea that you were a Christian except maybe that you go to church. You know, going to church doesn't make you a Christian. It's a good thing to do if you are a Christian. 
but it doesn't make you a Christian. Are you living a life that is set apart? Are you relying on God's grace? If, you've got, if you profess and say, I have accepted God's grace and he saved me, but yet your life, there's no point of holiness and it doesn't look any different and it's still steeped in the world, you're still making decisions that are poor decisions time and time again and there's never any repentance, if you're in that place, then you really need to consider whether you, the grace of God has really been accepted on your, on your heart. Have you really accepted Christ's grace that he's given you? Have you really accepted God and said, not only am I accepting him for what he offers me, but also to feel this idea that I can now be holy, that I can be sanctified? If you're living a life that is not holy and you can look at your life or if someone else, I would even ask somebody else, do you see evidence? Do you see the fact that I'm living in holiness or am I living the way the world lives? If you're living the way the world lives, there's a good chance you don't truly know Christ or you sure don't know him that well. So you really, really need to think about that. And you really need to repent of that and say, you know what, I'm ready to pursue holiness. I'm ready to be set apart. I'm ready to be different. I'm ready to obey. I'm ready to rely on the power of God so that I can obey and be more like Christ. And that's what you need to call out today and do. Not only say it, but also do it. And finally, have you accepted God's grace but are trying to walk in holiness in your own strength? Have you really accepted God's grace, but you know what? You find yourself frustrated because you keep making mistakes, and you know what? You're trying to live a holy life, but you're doing it all in your own strength. You've relied on rules and regulations, and you've said, this is how you have to do it, this is how you don't have to do it, and you're living a rule-based life, and you know what? You are just miserable because you're trying to obey all the rules in your own strength. If that's you today, you need to repent of that as well and say, you know what, Lord? No longer. I'm not going to live trying to do this by myself or trying to obey all these rules so that I can please you. Lord, I give myself up to you. Please give me the power. Give me help. Give me your grace so that then I can pursue holiness in the best way and I'm not looking at it as a checklist of do's and don'ts, but I'm looking at it as, as I love you so much that I'm ready to pursue holiness with my whole life. Call on God today and ask for that. It's not too late, no matter what stage of life you're in. It's not too late to say, God, I'm done working and working so hard and I'm done saying, you know what, it's all on my strength, but I want to rely on your strength instead. So really, I think those are the three groups we'd have here today. Those who don't know the grace of God at all, those who have professed but are not walking in holiness, and I would encourage you walk in holiness. Make good decisions based on the power of the Spirit, based on God's Word. When you come to needing to make a decision, make the decision that is holy, not, only, not always just the decision that is okay. This is what I mean by this. A lot of gray areas in today's life. A lot of gray, gray areas. And you can say to yourself, well, I think technically this is okay, so I'm going to go ahead and do it. Stop asking the question, is it okay to do this? And instead start asking the question, is it holy to do this? Am I being set apart by, what I, by the decisions I'm making? Am I being set apart from the world and towards God? See, some things might be okay, but they might not be holy. And you need to understand the difference there. Make choices that allow you to pursue holiness through his strength and not choices that are causing you to be lumped in with the world that is against God's will. You are living a life that is against what God would want for you. You're, li- you're saying to God, I know you've called me to something, but never mind. That's not what we're called to do. Make good, holy decisions. And finally, quit trying to work in your own strength. Allow Christ to work through you. Put effort in, yes. But it's not all about us. It's all about him. And remember that point. So I hope today, as you walk away, you'll remember this. God's grace that we had at salvation did not end. It's a gift that keeps on giving in the fact that he, through his grace, has given us the ability and the power to live a life that is holy 
And I would pray and hope that you today are living that life of holiness. I'm just going to pray real shortly and the worship team will come up and and lead us in our last song. Lord, I just thank you for uh, what you've spoken to me and spoken to us today. I pray that we would live holy lives, that we would make decisions that are holy, not just decisions that are okay. Lord, I pray that we'd pursue holiness through obedience to you and God, ultimately, we would imitate you in every way. God, that you would give us the grace, you would give us the power, you would give us the strength, that all of these things would be ours because you have given it to us and that we could pursue holiness in our everyday life. And I pray for all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Leave me wanting nothing but you. I think that's a great way to really end as we think about living in holiness. It's only through his strength and his living in him that we really pursue that holiness. I do want to say one thing real quick. I didn't mention this. I wanted to earlier, but uh, a lot of the ideas that I, obviously are straight from Scripture, but there's also a book that we've been reading for crew. It's called The Hole in Our Holiness. It's a red book. looks like this. I've got a couple of copies of this in my office. They're $10 each. Incredible, incredible book talking about how to live in practical holiness in your life. So I would encourage you, if you want to know more about holiness, because what I just talked about doesn't do it justice, uh, then I would encourage you to go ahead and grab this book. Is that me? All right, I, wanna, I just want to finish our, our service here by reading from, uh, from Scripture as a benediction. I just want to read from Second um, Thessalonians. We were here during the sermon, but I want to read this in more context here. And I want to read this to close our service. You can read, we're reading it as a prayer, as a benediction. And here's what I would like to read. But we are bound to give thanks to God always for you, brethren beloved by the Lord, because God from the beginning chose you for salvation through sanctification by the Holy Spirit and belief in the truth, to which you were called by our gospel for by the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold to the traditions which you were taught, whether by word or by epistle. And may the Lord Jesus Christ himself, our God and Father, who has loved us and given us everlasting consolation and good hope by grace, comfort your hearts and establish you in every good word and every good work. That is my prayer for all of us as we leave. Thank you. God bless.